Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 396. This is your guide to the geek side. And before we start the podcast, remember, you can always check out all our podcasts on our network feed. You can get the Star Wars, the Star Trek, the video games, and this podcast you're listening to now. Get all of them. It's a bundle deal. You'll be happier if you do. Then It's a a bundle deal for free so far. And then you can go to YouTube, subscribe (laughs) there, see all our faces in more places as you get to see our wonderful backgrounds and our wonderful faces. And you can see our expressions on our face, which are priceless because it's free. So with that, I am Todd Oxtra, one of your hosts, joined by Charlie Carden. What, 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 what? I finally got, I don't know if I've worn this before, but I had a great story around this. Todd and I are MSU grads. I was doing an event as a cosplayer a couple of years ago. I saw a student walk past. I, I chatted her up. She said, oh, I bought it at the Union years ago, but it's not around anymore. I had a friend make me a custom, so I wear it with pride. Rebel Forces MSU. I love yeah, it. So, However, they're I'm wearing not, they're... a wonderful po- uh, shirt with all the, the, the cute villains in a skull. It's one of my favorites. Aww. It's I know that year. I know MSU's having a pretty shitty football season though. Yeah, they lose again this week. Then they get like oh yeah, they played OSU. against they, bad. they played against Ohio State. They're number four. They're, they're like the number four. Uh, 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 the Ohio State. <laughs> exactly. They're essentially a fo- They're essentially an NFL team they're, playing they're, against yeah, people. Dynasty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It so, is oh what well, it is. that's rough for the Spartans. But guess who's having it? rougher is superman on this uh this comic book cover uh this is uh action comics which is the original superman title from january of 1971 uh is issue number 396 uh superman is in a wheelchair with a blanket around him and a sign around his neck help the needy he's saying stop hounding me have you no pity i'm not a freak leave me alone is the future of the world's mightiest hero to become the super panhandler of metropolis actually how do you find these my god i love them and this reminds me of trading places with eddie murphy where he's pretending to be (laughs) he's pretending to be like ill a veteran lost his feet lost his legs and then they 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 they, you know he's revealed to be like you know not not a homeless man it's completely uh normal and it's just absolutely hilarious so yes i don't know where this one came from and you have to think back in 1971 with over four, almost 400 episodes of super, episodes, issues Issue, of Superman, yeah. they're like, what are we going to do with Superman? Let's make him homeless. Really? You know, yes. it's just, it's weird because you're you're at the point where, um, you know, this seems like it would be really fit in like the 1950s. But by the time you got to the 70s, comics were getting a little more serious, right? Because you're starting to get, you know, Days of Future Past. And, oh, no, that was in the 80s. You're starting to get more serious stuff with the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. And the storytelling Green Arrow, was more, Green Lantern with yeah, they were, and Morphine. They were, yeah, yeah they, were, they were getting more fantastical. And then you got Superman pulling this shit off. I'm just like, ugh. So, yeah, uh, this one in the bin. Uh, but, Todd, we are overdue. Uh, for the random number generator, like read some titles. So uh, you, me, and Katie need to put heads together and figure out uh, doing that again because for all we know, this one could come up and we might have to read this bad That's a good once a year project, I would say. Right, there you go, there you go. Well, uh, what is always evergreen and never just once a year, that is the hot scoops that we get from our senior news correspondent, 122 years young, I'm talking about Madam Webb down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Let's go find out what she's got for us this week. 
Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. New York Comic Con is upon us. It is, we're full of news. Sometimes we forget that comics actually are there. And Madam Webb, I know you were there hawking your own personal comic book. It was called The Immaculate Old Lady Adventures of Madam Webb. Now, not, I don't know if Marvel can sue you because I don't know if they technically like own you. So I don't know. Could you know, be. watch out, employ Matt Murdock or Jessica Walters. We'll see how that goes. Maybe you got a case, maybe you don't. Oh my goodness, the legal quandary. All right, so what, what, this thing we got up next, this actually came from uh, Silent Secret Friends partner, John, who you know doesn't want to do the show with us anymore, but we had a long run when he was on with us all the time in the beginning. But yeah, he sent us this earlier this week, and this is David Harbour as Santa Claus. Uh, watching the trailer, which you can find it in the show notes, skimming along, looks for, you know, he's, he's drinking in a bar. He's being kind of surly and he's the real dude, right? So he's going around doing his thing, obviously on Christmas Eve, uh, up next is this, you know, rich, well-to-do family that is being held hostage at gunpoint. The dad is obviously some big muckety muck. I can't remember. I, I, Without having the, the verbiage in front of me, I can't remember what, but he's rich. Santa beams down. Uh, he beams in the chimney, which is brilliant. That's, I would think, the only way Santa could really work. I got to gum down the chimney every time. Or like in the Santa Claus. And uh, you find out that Santa is like, uh, he's basically uh, Cobra put together with Rocky, put together with Commando, put together with the Terminator. Because he's just, this is like a Red Band trailer. He's just, he's wrecking shop. He's tearing shit up in a very dark comedy take of Christmas. And what is it? What is this called? Uh, Violent night. Violent night. I am so fucking in on this. This is, this is awesome. This is awesome. It's playing with all the tropes. There's been other takes on like Superman or uh, Santa Claus, like getting, you know, either going bad or, or, or like there's a great American dad, like ongoing battle between that family and Santa Claus. Their dad was Krampus really good. There's obviously was a comic book called Lobo paramilitary uh, special, which was pretty funny back in the day when uh, Lobo <laughs> took out uh, Santa Claus. Uh, but this one looks to be really cool. And it, essentially he's using his naughty list to check out the bad guys. He's helping the little girl. The family has $300 million that they want to steal. The bad guys, John Leguizamo is one of those bad guys. Uh, this is from the producers who made Nobody, which is a great film. Charlie, I really highly recommend you that uh, you watch that. Uh, Bob Odenkirk, that's where he basically was a, a secret CIA agent uh, in hiding. Great, great show. Uh, John Wick, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Bullet, uh, Deadpool 2, Bullet Train, and Hobbs and Shaw, Shaw. So this should really be a really well done action film with a good sense of humor. It looks like it's going to be totally R-rated. I don't know if I see a rating for this. It's probably unrated at this point. But Beverly D'Angelo is in this, Charlie. Did you know that? I missed that. What, what, what role is she in the trailer? I didn't. Uh, I it does not that. say, and I didn't even notice. So, but oh I saw gosh. she's in the cast. So this should be a lot of fun, and it's directed by Tommy Ricola, who did Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, and Dead Snow franchise. Which those are like tongue in cheek, like horror. So this works really well for that. So I'm excited for this on December second, coming to theaters nice. from Universal Studios. I love it. All right. And with that, we slide in talking about New York Comic Con. Actually, uh, Todd, friend of the show, Kurt, 
Krug is out, or Krug, excuse me, is, uh, you know, he's a freelance reporter. He was a Michigan State grad just like us. He's out there reporting on this right now. Oh, he, cool. uh, he even got to chat with, uh, with Kate Mulgrew about some of the, you know, about some of the Star Trek stuff that was going on at the show. But yeah, we had a lot, a lot, a lot going on, man. So yeah, what what's from the tops? Yeah, so the first one is a story that... It's out there for like, I think, shock value versus is this actually going to be a good show, which is there's an animated movie coming out called Velma, which is essentially a standalone origin story for Velma. It's animated on HBO Max, um, and it's all about Velma. The cast includes Glenn Howerton as, uh, I believe, uh, Freddy. Uh, Then you've got... Uh, Constance as Velma, yeah. yeah, and Sham Richardson as Shaggy, which he's going by the name, like he's official name, not Shaggy, which I believe is Norville. Norville, yes, yeah, yes. Right so, here. so yeah, so this is going to be uh, um, Minnie Kaling is playing Velma. This is going to be a little mm-hmm. bit more uh, over the top. Well, boobs, and it's, butts and blood yes, is what I they're re- saying. And I did read that Scooby is not present Correct. because of the the adult take on it and mired in baseless controversy uh this film does celebrate come out very openly that uh velma is a lesbian which heads exploding i guess i couldn't care less who cares and and again wasn't it a foregone conclusion for a lot of us anyway that something was a little hinky with that scenario but again if it's a fun story and this is for an adult's show me on the doll where the cartoon hurt you. That's all I can say. And we've had so many takes on Scooby-Doo. It's not like, oh, this will ruin the franchise. I mean, we had the live action series. We've had right. various Scooby-Doo cartoons with quality of, of varying levels. Right. I mean, I was well, even I, looking at the HBO Max app, Charlie. There's been a series of Scooby-Doo uh, episodes where it's Scooby-Doo keeps running into people like like famous people, like the old days, like the Globetrotters. But now it's like he's running into people like, Wait, he ran into a, a chef from Food Network. Is it really getting to that point where just like it, well, you know? that was that was what one of the comments I read is that someone was like, "Wait, there's Scooby Doo canon now." <laughs> <laughs> there's no connectivity. There's no. It's just it's no. it's like it's like saying there's Simpsons canon because Scooby Doo has been around since 1969. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about over 50 years. There's there's no there's continuity in in. Scooby-Doo, like there's continuity in DC Comics going back to the 1930s. I just don't think so. You know what? This is a different version for a different audience, and I, you know, and I think it'll be fun. So I'm in. Why not? You know, what's going to hurt? This could be the worst thing in the world. And guess what? We'll move on, and we'll get the next Scooby thing we like. So yeah, it, it is what it is. We still make Scooby snacks from General Mills. You know what? I'm sure we're I, not going to pull the product. God, I 100. That is my snack. And as a matter of fact, April rained a Meyer. Sorry, I lied, Charlie. Not we up. make fruit snacks. We don't make the actual oh, graham okay. snacks. Sorry. So, well, I'm sorry that those are from Kellogg's. Apologize. That's oh, okay. Because I was, I was bitching I'm you sure about that because I said, I'm like, the, yes, I'm like, the, you're, the supply chain is letting me down. You guys need to make a better product. Not my so supply chain. Take that, at Kellogg's. Take that, Kellogg's. <laughs> I know, and they're right here in Michigan, too. Boo. Exactly. Anyway. exactly. Can't, can't get it right. Oh, well, but that's going to be coming out soon. We'll get a release. It's on HBO Max. So, you know, if you're scared about your kids seeing Velma being gay, don't let them watch. Uh, but yeah. something you could check out if you really want to. This is kind of cool. I saw this was released. DC Universe Infant is going to have a new tier that's announced called Ultra. 
And this is kind of a big deal because it is going to cost more than the standard, but you're going to get comics a month after release. Nobody's doing that. That's big. That's a big deal. Um, And then you're also, yeah. And Marvel will 100% follow suit in some fashion because the, yeah, I'll be curious if they do that too, because I know that's been a big challenge. They're they're down to three months and that's a big deal. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. DC was at 12 months where Marvel was at six months. So they're dialing it down, dialing it down. Eventually, And this is not such a great thing for our friends who own comic shops. Uh, but again, people who buy comic books and then people who read digital, I think, I won't say never the twain shall meet, but I think it's still a very different crowd because I'll still be in a comic shop and there's some dude buying, you know, oh, I came in for my poll and he's got like 30 books there because he comes in once a month. There's still those people out there. There probably always will be as long as there's print comics. But then there's people like you and me, Todd. I, I gave up comic collecting twice. Like had a collection, sold it, had a collection, sold it. And mm-hmm. now I just read. And, you know, Marvel Unlimited is perfect for me because I do it so infrequently. I'm like, well, you know, I, I should stop and I'm going to read like one hour before bed. I never do. So I read when I'm donating plasma. That's it. And it's bad. But you know what? Life is busy. So it happens. Everybody's habits are going to be different, which is why something like this could stand a chance of being a big success for them. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, essentially they're going to even open it to more comics that haven't been on the app, like these more of the darker stuff, some Vertigo things, and some of the black label. And also, um, just like Marvel does with their one edition where you get like the, the whatever, the higher tier where you get a collectible and things like that, they're going to be throwing in a uh, collectible comic book with this tier as well, like a physical edition. So kind of cool. I like this. Uh, um, This makes me more excited to get to a service where it's only a month delayed because like events and things like that, where you don't want to miss out and have them more frequently versus waiting six months. Like, okay, what happened? You already know this has been spoiled. This could be good. So, and it's only like, for me, it's like $25 more a year, which, you know, two bucks, uh, two bucks a month. That's like a pittance. You know, I, 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 I throw $2 out the window every month. So I better not do that and put it into the service. Every other day. No, that's good stuff. Hey, moving on. Uh, More New York Comic Con news. We're still on that tip. Uh, Star Trek comics. Now, I've been keeping up. It's it's really, at this point, about the only non-Marvel thing that I pick up are IDW's uh, Star Trek line. They recently published their 400th issue of combined chronology since they've had the, the line since 2001. 2001? 2007. Um, and so now that, you know, they, they announced that they're launching a, a series starring Benjamin Sisko that's going to come out or it's already out. And then now we're talking about a, a one that's going to come out in February of 2023 starring Worf and Ensign Rowe, Spock, and that's either Data or Lore. I feel like it's Lore. Um, yeah, Lore, exactly, which we'll talk about the character of Lore, who is David, David, uh, Data's evil brother. We'll talk about it again in a minute. But um, yeah, these are fun. I like... Uh, IDW's comics, they've done a great job with the license as much as I would love to have it just be over at Marvel so I don't have to go to two places to read my comics. I think they do a really nice job. They they produce some good stuff. And in recent years, I just finished reading the Mirror War Saga, which was by the Tipton Brothers, who we had them on Code 47 a long time, really right before that series started. Um, they do nice work. This even sounds like it's going to be pulling together uh, other characters. Like I said, Spock, Lore, Belana Torres. Or is that Belana Torres? I thought that it was Ensign Rowe. No, that must be Belana Torres. Ensign Rowe. Okay. In, they do well, mention yeah, Worf, the, Spock, Rowe, Lore, and more. Oh, right. Well, they mentioned Belana later down. Belana, of course, being the engineer uh, from Voyager. So that's great. That's the one thing I would say that um, I feel bad 
for newer people exposed to Trek, because what do you get? You get TNG and TOS, mostly TOS. And I'm not the biggest fan of TOS, but Voyager and DS9, that's what was on when we were in, in high school and in college. So I love to see that creeping back out. I, you know, we just had a, an episode of Lower Decks that they returned to DS9 and, and uh, Kira and Quark were guest stars. It's just, it's great. I love DS9 and we're getting Worf back in season three of Picard, which we'll talk about in a minute here. So I love this Star Trek synergy, a lot of, um, there was a lot of Star Trek synergy at New York Comic Con, which we'll continue to talk about. So this is cool. I'm excited. Very cool. Yeah. You know, it's great to take these characters where there's stories, there's there's timelines where there's a gap of where you haven't, you don't know what they've been up to. So it's kind of cool right. to see them have adventures because they probably did. Right. Adventures to be had. All right. What else we got? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of comics, uh, Marvel has released kind of their um, roadmap of things coming up for the rest of 2022 into 2023. Uh, some of those, and we've just got a screenshot here. It's going to Avengers Assemble November, November 2022, which Jason Aaron is going to be on that title with Brian Hitch, good, good artist. And it's going to be bringing together... Um, uh, tied together his work on Avengers, Avengers Forever, and Avengers of the Year A Million in a multi-verse-spanning saga. So there you go. So if you like Avengers from different timelines, you will see that in an event. Uh, you know, Jason Aaron does really cool stuff. I prefer him to Hickman. Hickman stuff gets really convoluted. And, and after mm -hmm. a while, I'm like, I just want a good, fun story that I don't have to know everything and read all of these weird dialogue boxes and go, what the hell's going on? Then we get Dark Web. Uh, the two spurned clones of the Marvel Universe, Madeline Pryor and Ben Riley, team up as a Goblin Queen and Chasm to unleash their what? revenge in the Spider-Man and X-Men crossover that pays off decades of comic book storytelling. Dramatic events will have fans will fan the flames of the classic Inferno crossover impact Spider-Man, X-Men, Venom, Miss Marvel, and a series of tie-in issues and limited series, Charlie. Then we I have, like it. Our own, oh, the summer of the symbiotes. My goodness. Yes. And then we have the sin of sins of sinister, which Mr. Sinister's devious machinations yield the darkest Marvel comics future to date in this universe melting X-Men event, a mortal X-Men, X-Men red and Legion of X will be transformed into moral X-Men storm in the brotherhood of mutants and Nightcrawlers as the overarching saga that propels further and further into an unforgiving universe where all things are sinister. That's pretty cool. Mr. Sinister mm -hmm. is an awesome villain. He's got so many layers. He's always the one that's he's like the low key of the X-Men. Just oh, you never gotcha. know what he's going to be doing. He's always yeah. pulling the threads and he's got something on his back pocket. He's a very cool character. Uh, then we nice. have Captain America Cold War currently Ooh. sharing the mantle of Captain America. Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson's current adventures collide in the crossover between Captain America Sentinel of Liberty and Captain America Symbol of Truth, a pivotal chapter in the 80-year history of Captain America. This espionage-fueled action thriller will be a culmination of various plot threads in this acclaimed new era, including the rise of the Outer Circle, Nomad's Return, the brewing conflict with Nakanda and White Wolf, and Bucky's new persona and mission. Oh my goodness. Wow, you can just feel the layers of that plot. I know. Like a like a uh a, a pastry, you know, just the layers, like puff pastry. My yeah, goodness. can you love the summer of symbiotes, Charlie? Sun's Woo! out, tongues out, spinning out of titles like Venom Carnage and Red Goblin comes a slew of new symbiotic stories. Get ready for the return of old faces, the debut of new symbiote heroes, an exciting shift for iconic symbiote stars. It's the season of symbiote insanity. Wow. And, and the thing about symbiotes is that they always have old and new faces all kind of rolled into one. So that's that's wild. Todd, the fall of X. They couldn't have kept this any more brief. The X-Men hope Kratok would last forever. Time to find out if they were right. 
Uh, spoiler I hope alert. they are right. I, I hope it's. I, right. I hope that they're not right, and I hope it ends because that whole storyline is so convoluted, and it's added so much complexity. The fact right. that no X Men can truly die because there's a bank of them that can just be regenerated takes out the stakes. It was interesting and cool, but I think yeah. they need to go back to a status quo that means right. we've learned something from it, but that is just over because well, just, it's just, yeah, it's like, yeah. They, you know, no setting like right now, the, or at least they were a few years ago when I was reading the Avengers live in the body of a hollowed out Sentinel in the Antarctic. You know, that's not going to go on forever. Eventually they're going to go back to hydro base. So they're going to go back to the Avengers mansion or Avengers tower or something. Things are going to shift around. Everything is cyclical in comics. Nothing lasts forever. You know, the fantastic four, they have the Baxter building, the Baxter building gets blown up. They have the four freedoms Plaza that gets blown up. Then they live in some weird house on Yancey street and that gets blown up. Shit's always going to get blown up. Deal with it. You want some constant, you know, constants that feel like this is at the heart of this thing and it lives and they can have adventures and they have things that take them away, create some more layers. But you always want to feel like you could read a Fantastic Four comic book, an X-Men comic book and go like, okay, I get it versus versus like, what the hell is this? Why are they speaking in Hamlet? Why are they in Hamlet and, you know, shooting each other with, you know, super soakers? I don't know. I'm sure that's happened. (laughs) Super soakers? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. This is a bad run of that. All right. Moving on. Trailer trash. That's right. We got five trailers, probably more than five trailers. These are the ones that we... uh, that we glommed onto i love it Ted. johnny karate crosses with mario in this wonderful trailer yes um, yes. Th- th- this was fun and again I-, I will admit i watched it just now because i'm a moving target and if it's not star trek it usually gets the back seat which is why i watched the other three right away but this looks great so yeah the, uh, mario you know you've got the little blue people and then you've got the yellow people and they're going to war with each other <laughs> I mean, I, I know if I'm dumb in this. You down mean the too penguins, much. Charlie? The penguins? Were they, oh, were they just penguins? Yeah, they, they were penguins. Look, they look like penguins, like Rudolph's penguins. Didn't think they look like uh, um, penguins versus the Koopas. Yeah, it didn't look like like uh, Rankin and Bass penguins from like Rudolph. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that was fun because the, the penguins come out and they're throwing snowballs and there's this big dramatic pause and and then ooh, the King Koopa just goes, Rah! he's got you know he's got Magneto, he's got. Uh, dark phoenix powers and he flings them all and they're like oh my god who's gonna he's blowing up there all their shit and they're like who's gonna save us and then it flashes to mario getting shot out of something and landing on a mushroom and going and that's the end of it um <laughs> i love it i love this <laughs> i was gonna ask what your thoughts were and so i was like you're, you're you're pleasantly surprised you weren't like i'm in this is this is an affront to humanity <laughs> well that was i don't know if you watched snl last night but the the, the cold i did not opens, yet i, well, I watched cold- some of it yeah the cold open. Well, you saw the cold. Yes, open, I did right? see like, that part. Yeah. What's it yes. going to take to snap? And they were they had this woman on here, and they were running through like, does this thing make it? Basically, saying things to try to make her flip out. And the one that made her crack was the Mario trailer and Chris uh, Pratt speaking Pratt. in his normal voice. And he's like, "What the hell is he doing? He's supposed to be Italian. It's his own thing." And that's what made her snap. So that just cracks me up. Yeah. Oh, and then they're making fun of Kanye West, who's my least favorite celebrity. But I digress. Yes, but you know uh, when you're not talking about Kanye, I mean, this movie ultimately this is by the folks who did Despicable Me, uh, Minions, Illumination. I would say the animation looks like at a higher level than those movies, just because there's more stuff to pull from. Uh, and this is going to be Bowser, you know, voiced by Jack Black. You've got a lot of things that are very, very, 
touchstone Mario in this movie from the style. This looks very fun. Um, yes, Chris Pratt got essentially two lines and he is definitely not pulling himself as an actor to do more than maybe giving himself a little bit of an Italian accent. You can't really tell, but it was two lines. So we'll see how that goes. But what's really got me excited, Charlie, I don't know if um, Charlie Day is playing Luigi. So we did a little scene with him with the uh, um, with like the, the the scary stuff. So he should be awesome. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is also the voice of Toad, who you saw, you know, came out. So and you can really tell it's him. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Right. There's other voice actors totally. in this. I think this will be a who Danny DeVito's in this as well. So I'm hoping there's more. It's always funny actors in this. And I'm very happy with it. Um, I know people are offended. It should be like the voice actor who does Mario. But does anybody really want you know two hours of hee hee woohoo it's a me mario i talk like this ah you know what tad you say that but just button yourself up for the rage you know it's out there but you know we what got- it'll go it'll go it'll be a success people will have fun with it because uh you know chris pratt's a big star and it's going to be fun and stuff and then all of those incels can go back to their basement yeah i said it Yes. And you know what? We got ugly Sonic. We got better looking Sonic. So maybe we'll get like Chris Pratt will redo his lines and maybe he'll really put it on thick and then we'll get an offensive Italian accent and people will love that. Oh, you bet. You know what? There's something something offensive to be loved in any way. All right. Let's blast through these three, these last three kind of in one fell swipe. So the three Star Trek programs that we have uh, that are coming back, we have Lower Decks right now that's wrapping up later this month. We have Star Trek Prodigy coming back for the back half uh, of its uh, freshman season. So our characters have now escaped from the villains. They're kind of out on their own. They've got the ship. Well, guess who doesn't want them to have a ship? That would be the actual Catherine Janeway, who shows up to basically take the ship away from them because they are they, they kind of swipe Children? Them. Yes, the children. Um, <laughs> so she's chasing them and shooting torpedoes at the, at them. So that's not super. That's a good cool, idea. Catherine. Kill the children. Yeah, yeah kill that's the children. Yeah. Well, they're they're aliens, so who cares? Um, but anyway, no, th- this looks to get interesting. Um, you're also getting a return, and I watched the trailer a couple times and didn't see it. They're bringing back Ronnie Cox's character of Edward Jellicoe, which was from TNG. Is you Ronnie heard- Cox still alive? <laughs> no. Well. I you know what he might not be i'm if he gonna is, look it up charlie keep talking he was he was in uh he was in an episode of of dexter uh the original run but that was oh god he's years 84 ago. years old so yeah, he's still exactly. alive i guess you don't have him on screen but he can talk still hopefully. uh presumably so anyway yeah even though they tease an image of it i watched the trailer twice and i didn't see him so shame on me if i'm wrong at me at me at the c3 and twitter and let me know G- give me a drop and let me know um that looked cool uh picard we finally got a uh, season three full trailer we got the gang all back together our villain for the season is no other, none other than honey bunny herself amanda from pulp plumber. fiction amanda plummer which also, is also awesome. uh, the weird sister from uh, Pet Cemetery. And so I married an axe murderer. That's what yes. you're thinking of, not Pet Cemetery. Oh, I thought maybe. I'm, yeah. She's been something else too where she was creepy again. So she's been creepy in a lot of things. She, I, it, it is kind of her. She was, uh, she also, she had a bit part as a fortune teller in season three of Battlestar Galactica when they were all in uh, New Caprica. She's mm-hmm. fortune teller. So she always does something creepy. That looks awesome. She's supposed to be a con level villain. Uh, so you see her flying around, you know, she's got a scar, the- Charlie. Of course, that makes her evil. Yes, exactly. Well, everybody knows the only the scars. Uh, Discovery, Discovery season five. I like Discovery. It's not my favorite. 
Um, the, the, this kind of feels like, again, maybe threat of the week. They're coming back and doing a bunch of stuff. You've got Black Space Jesus again, which is Michael Burnham doing her thing. Who knows how that's going to turn out? I would say of the three, Picard, it's at the highest level because we this is supposed to be our big TNG send-off. Prodigy is fun. They're also bringing back Janeway. I'm on a Voyager kick right now. We're also talking about Voyager over on Code 47. Um, I'm sorry. And then I, well, Todd, maybe we'll bring you in as a ringer so you can just come on every episode. Hated it. So now we move on to episode 16 of season two. Hated it. Anomaly. Anomaly. Oh, Neelix is An- still on? Holy Anomaly. God. Really? Oh, they really? Lose another, they Who lost are they going to bring back from another series because we're losing relevance? Oh, yeah. we don't have any good villains. Oh, let's, let's adopt them. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I, but anyway, I Picard, Picard season three only has, it can only go up from how bad season two was. I hope so. Cause I, I love the fact that the old cast is back. This looks yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it deserves better, but we don't know. They've, they've got bad right. pacing when it's only one season and you spend Ten episodes, six yeah. set. Yeah. When you send eight episodes of those, just like filling spaces and it's like, Oh, we have to end this in two episodes. Yeah, we're gonna come with something that will change like our, you know, and, yeah. like, and continuity. That, and, and it's like what? And, yeah, and that's really what they did. They got to the end of Picard season two and like, and all uh, Q has been gone for five of these episodes. Here he is again. And also this Borg thing is going on. So anyway, uh, if you want to listen to more ramblings about Star Trek, we have a whole show for that. It's run by me. It's called Code 47, it comes out every other Monday. Uh, you'll be hearing from it just a couple of days after you listen to this episode. But anyway, I, but I, I, you didn't ask me how I like Discovery Five tra- trailer, Charlie, because I really like that show. I think it has its foibles, but if Discovery didn't work, we would not be talking about anything else. Trek. I think it's a visually beautiful show. I mean, the right. fact that this isn't a movie quality, it looks wonderful. It's they crazy. always bring in typically interesting storylines, whether they work or not. I'm hoping this one does. And they can really focus on not focusing on some like odd storylines or like taking up too much air in the room, like uh, Gray and uh, what's this? What's the, the other person's Gray. name? Uh, that's how memorable they are. That's that's probably because they took up so much space. I'm like, OK, this is great and all, but it is really taking us away from really cooler storylines and individual. Very episodes. true. And a quick trivia sidebar. Discovery season five is the first Star Trek show to have a fifth season since Voyager did in 1998. Oh, Enterprise only had four? Yeah, they got canceled oh. at the end of their fourth season. Yep, in 2005. Oh. You got it. So, yes, the second golden age of Star Trek is upon us. So, anyway, New York Comic Con is over. Got a lot of great news. If we miss something, please add us at Secret Friends Unite over on Twitter. Let us know how silly we are. But with that, Todd, time to draw a close. Time to get at that app out. We got to get that gypsy cab to take us down to Skugville. Nasty town, that's right. The Geek Easy awaits where we talk about what we're digging. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting the Geek Easy cover bands playing. Drinks are poured and we are ready to get our nerd on. And this week... Man, there is just so much stuff to talk about in the world of nerd. So we're going to focus on a few. And Charlie, um, you actually saw a movie, but you're not going to be talking about it. So that's okay. Um, or no, we're going to talk about that in future weeks. So don't worry about that. Um, what movie? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. But we'll you're talk right. about that. We'll talk about that in future weeks. I okay, very good. You're right. Thanks. I did, but it totally blanked my mind. But anyway, I will punch through. You have one shared thing and I have one shared thing. Uh, She-Hulk is now up to its penultimate episode. This has been my favorite Marvel show because it's it's a total Because it's the newest? Shift. 
and in your mind. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So the next one will be my new favorite. I was going to say, I think that's how people go with these. It's my newest favorite because it's the newest because I'm focused on that. And, I'm sure and I don't remember any of the other ones. I mean, exactly. I, I love WandaVision. I love the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it's like I forget that Hawkeye was a show, you know, because I haven't watched it again. But anyway, She-Hulk has been, it's been a blast for me because it's fun and it's self-effacing and it's a little silly and she breaks the fourth wall. She's, she's the lady Deadpool. Um, but this was an episode where they actually, they brought uh, uh, back Charlie Cox as Daredevil, not just as Matt Murdock, which we saw him in Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, but actually as Daredevil uh, in, in, in interaction, not only working the case together uh, and bringing back um, Leapfrog, who was a character from The Amazing Spider-Man. was a pseudo good guy in the comics, right? No, he was he was he was a nerdy kid who built his own suit. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So that didn't didn't yeah. really fit the yeah, it didn't really fit the bill. Uh business Spider-Man comic from the 80s. Um, but in this, he was a rich kid who had the suit builder who built uh built Jennifer Walters uh different suits, uh make one for him that he uh it malfunctioned. He, he tries to sue. Turns out that you know he he screwed that up. But anyway, Matt Murdock ends up being his lawyer. Um, but then he ends up, you know, they they kidnap the suit keeper. And so Daredevil and She-Hulk have to get together to rescue him. But then they end up, I'm not going to say falling in love, but just just getting down. She, she's like, wow, he's really kind of doing it for me. She really, you know, she gets the hots for him and they hook up and it's just, it's a blast. Then he does. Oh my God. And the internet wa- died that Marvel characters can get busy. I know it was, <laughs> I did, I was not witness to that, but yeah, the walk of, the walk of shame slash the walk of. The walk of power, the way, yeah, because in the end of the next day, he's walking away with his helmet on, but he doesn't have his boots on for some reason. Anyway, it was it was a blast from this, but yeah, we're out of this series. It's done. Uh, uh, by, one, by the time one more episode, to this. yeah. yeah this, but, this once again, what the hell, Marvel? What is the end game? And you got one episode to do it in thirty minutes. It's like, come on, guys, figure something out in regards to wrapping up your plot. We have like the Hulk King. That's like, are they just trying to embarrass her? They're just a bunch of man haters. There's right. potentially a plot to steal her blood. Um, right. um, it's just, it just seems like unless it's like an hour episode, I'm like, Marvel, please fix your shit and figure out your stories and wrap them up in a way that makes sense. Doesn't feel like you've rushed. And it's like, Oh, okay, here's 35 new characters. Here's the plot line. We're done. They, they've struggled with that. But I mean, I love their take on Daredevil. The fact that he doesn't look like he's out of his league. Like he's gonna have a hard time with a couple of, you know, tough street toughs. They, 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 his his costume is goofy and they called it out. So I'm like guessing that's not going to last, but it's fun, and I like this take, and I'm glad it's not all grim and gritty, and he's sad, and uh, so I'm hoping this carries over with the, his series, which is coming uh, 2024 or something like that, which is the Rebirth, or whatever they're called. Rebirth. Um, Rebirth. So, yeah, I hope it's I mean, I, I like him. I like that he gets to have a good time and smiles a little bit. Yes, have some of the smiling. I like it. Uh, well, cool. Um, I watched the classic today... My friend uh, Jonathan Snedeker reached out to me because I had talked to him in weeks, uh, in months past, you know, anticipating that in time here on this network, we'd like to move on and offer our listeners some bonus content. A segment that I'm interested in doing has to do with revisiting classic television shows season by season. And so I was having this conversation with uh, with my buddy, Jonathan Snedeker. We worked together years ago. Uh, he's part of our, our Star Trek club. And I said, hey... 
pick something that we can watch together and we'll break it down. He says, I love the old Buck Rogers. It's on Tubi or FUBU or one of those freebie ones. So I'm like it's on me, my TV and yeah. watch them. Yeah. But I say, he said, he said, I've already watched it. I said, all right, well I'll tune in. Uh, and so today I watched, I watched the first two, two parters. So I watched four episodes and uh, this show came out in 1979 it was the uh, the redheaded stepchild of Battlestar Galactica, which got canceled the year before because it was. I, I don't understand the logic behind it. Battlestar Galactica was too expensive and didn't have enough of an audience, so it got canceled. But then Glenn A. Larson, who was the guy who created it, turned around, used a lot of the sets, used a lot of the props, used a lot of the shots, and made and, another show and ship designs. Yeah, and yeah. shipped and made another show that managed to drag on for like a season and a half and then get canceled. And then how was this guy never done in Hollywood? But point being, I love Battlestar. And then I really just, I love Buck Rogers watching. So yeah, he's a, an astronaut in the year 1987 for Ranger three uh, launches into space. And then uh, it, there's a nav, whatever it is. And he gets frozen and he's frozen for 500 years. And then something, I don't even remember from watching the episode made him come out of his cryo sleep. And then he's, there's Earth and Earth that went through 80 million different global, you know, nuclear wars or whatever. And so now they all live in one giant city and uh, he has to integrate back into life. And this big galactic cosmos of the, the Draconians and Tiger Man. And I think it's later on, it's Hawkeye or whatever, or the princess or I don't know, Todd, you're the one who loved the show. <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, and I think the reason why they wanted to go something lighter, a little bit more humorous, a little cheesier, which is Battlestar Galactica wasn't. So I think that's why right. they wanted to go with lighter fare. People could pick it up a little more lesser, you know, the deep tone. And it was that essentially, you know, episode of the week buck was kind of a you know uh, he was a stranger in a strange land kind of new things but obviously he's adapting it and i really liked the show it was cheesy but i felt like it has a whimsy to it that was very fun and it did something very odd which i don't know to your point charlie after a season of being set on earth and going on missions things like that they said you know what we're going to completely change it up we're going to change half the cast we're going to send them to outer space on a ship with a different a, a colonel well, hold and, on like Admiral. you're 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 spoiling it for am me i spoiling I, it charlie have I've you not only, watched this in years i i haven't watched it in 40 years so no i have not so you no, don't I, remember the the season two no. where it like goes off the rail okay because no. you mentioned hawk because hawk is in season two that's what so, i remember that i remember yes. okay. that hawk is in, but in season one and i thought it would be a recurring thing there's the princess and there's her edge and then there's tiger man who is her her heavy who her bodyguard who yes he defeats by zapping it with his zap That's gun. That's really a season one thing. So season two, yeah. though, they flip the script. It's completely different. It's like, okay, this is bad, not good, but there was some fun. Once you get to the, the space vampire episode, Charlie, is a classic. Stay for the space vampire episode. Oh my god, I will. I will have to do just that. I'll have to do just that. I like it. Um, but yeah, that should be fun. So yeah, then. Um, uh, so that'll be fun. So yeah, Snedeker yeah. and I will hopefully so break that light down. Light fair when you see Buck doing disco dancing. That's a classic part too. And, and you know what? And they and they came strong out the box with that deal. That was right in the beginning. Oh, so yeah. good stuff. So anyway, all right, what do you got? Uh yeah, a new show came dropped on Sci-Fi. Charlie, don't worry, it's on Peacock. So you always panic. Yes, Peacock. Uh, so Reginald the Vampire is based on a series of books called Fat Vampire, and it essentially deals with the first episode's very. It's a very good first episode in regards of like it, it gets you set up. 
get you uh, into the concept of essentially it's Ned from uh, the most recent Spider-Man movies. He is Lee okay. character original. And this is all about him being a very unhappy dude. He realizes he's fat and he's unhappy in life. And he works in a, uh, like almost like a slushy shop, which is a weird thing, but he does that. And long story short, he gets turned into a vampire and he's learning how to be a vampire. And the first episode is really like his immersion into it. And it's very cute. Cause I mean, it's, it's not horrific or anything, but you could tell where they're going to go with this show. It's going to be, he's the stranger learning his ropes. He's got uh, someone helping him through the process. And we're going to probably have like two timelines of stories going on too about his, his, uh, changer what is it scion is that the the person that changes a vampire oh fami- oh I, I know the familiar is their human no the scion is the person that changes you like oh. you know that that's your like you're almost like master vampire the scion. you got me there uh yeah yeah so um ba- ba- I believe- basically basically the the guy with the glasses in uh yeah the lost boys yeah the head essentially vampire. yeah yeah exactly so we're gonna have him and Reginald and there's a love story element, which is very cute. Um, and there's vampire politics and stuff. So I think this is going to be pretty good. And they dropped like F bombs all the time. So I don't even know how this drops on sci-fi. I guess that's okay now, but I'm like, Oh, they're dropping F bombs all over the place. So they do cool, that. on the, the walking dead. We were watching uh, this week's latest episode. It doesn't they feel drop- like that was always the way though. It seems like that's a new thing, right? Yeah. I think that what we consider basic cable has just been, yeah, been kind of shuffled around. They don't care. It's a different story. They don't have to care. It didn't feel like it really felt the show because the show felt like it was very, you know, charming and kind of right. So I don't know. It's it's weird. I hope this is good. It could be just a good first episode, but I really liked it. Very charming. The lead character is great because, you know, he's he's upbeat regardless of the the crappiness of his life. So I like it. It's fun. So check out Reginald the Vampire. Uh, Then we get to something we both watch, which is Werewolf by Night. Watched it last night. On the couch, lights turned off. This is Marvel's essentially first special. This is yeah. this feels like uh, you know the old you know special event on TV. Special presentation. Yeah, so about an hour long, black yep. and white. Michael Giancchino was the director of this. Yep. Um, essentially, we don't know if we're going to get more of this, but it was a. It call it's a callback to like the Universal Monster movies where yeah. it was embracing the black and white. Really yeah. was going hammy all in the fact that a family was br- like a, a a group of monster killers were brought together to essentially get the Bloodstone because uh, Ulysses Bloodstone died and they are looking to someone to take on the mantle of the Bloodstone. Uh, we get an interesting group of monster hunters who showed up, which I couldn't place if any of them were people I'm supposed to know. But um, we did get uh, Elsa Bloodstone, his daughter, who is a ne'er-do-well, had been a, a part. We get his uh, her stepmother, which don't know who her name is, but she was pretty great in regards to how much of a shrill person she was. And then we got some other villains that are, are monster hunters which once again i don't know who they were the one guy though charlie the the irish guy he was the the mohawk guy from yes uh, it was Star kirk Trek. thatcher yeah the punk yes. on the bus who gives yep. kirk and spock the finger kirk thatcher who spent the he actually reprised that role in picard season two because they were in yes they were in they were in california in the in the 2020s but uh he spent most of his career working at henson's creature shop he's a puppeteer. Oh, cool. yeah very cool that's that's yeah, his so, regular career yeah yeah, so this 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 
you know, motley crew of monster hunters um, were very interesting. One looked, you know, looked like a blade stand in, which is kind of interesting. One looked like Marilyn Manson. One looked right. like, uh, a, like a, I guess a killer from the hand. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I, I liked what they were doing. And, and then we, you know, we obviously get introduced to uh, Jack, whose real name is Jack Russell. He's standing in as a monster hunter. We find out that, um, I won't give too much away, but one of the the, the monster that they're there kill is a kind of a I don't even know how you said him a B C D tiered character from Marvel, but I loved what they E-F-Q. did with him. Oh, big yes. time! I yeah. adored um, I adored the take seeing Man Thing the way that we did. That's Ooh. the most pure. You gave it away, Charlie. Bit I, you know what? Come on, people have seen it. Um, so yeah, um, th- that was the most pure adaptation I feel like I've seen of anything they've done, particularly in CGI. They did, they just, they didn't mess with it at it, all. It wasn't, it wasn't CGI actually. They, most of this was not CGI. It, that was actually practical effects. It was, except for a few things they did. Yes, I, they did suits. I, that, no, Charlie, that, they did that suits. Looked, that looked costume, CGI Like Jack's, Jack's, Jack's costume. It uh, yeah. was full makeup, not there. So well, they, that's exactly they what I was going to say. Yeah, they did they practical really did. effects for like, yeah. like a large extent. extent I, this, I, I, cool. did, I felt very much so that Man-Thing is Man-Thing is like 12 feet tall. It's like the Hulk. It's like you're going to do practical effects for the Hulk. You get Lou Ferrigno. Um, but no, I really liked that Jack the werewolf um, was was very much, you know, like Benicio Del Toro in the Wolfman movie that we had several years back. Really just nailed that look of it. Um, so yeah. yeah, no, I absolutely, I absolutely dug on it. It was totally awesome. Totally awesome. I like the fact that we can do a one shot. Maybe this is a one-off. Maybe it's something that's going to give us, you know, characters that are going to show up somewhere else. Next one could be a ghost writer and then they show up and then we've got the sons of midnight or we've got the, you know, Marvel horror universe or whatever it is. But yeah, this, this really scratched the edge came out obviously at the exact right time of year. So it was, it was, it was totally, it was seven thumbs up for me. I loved it. Yeah, I, I hope we get more of this, not just from the horror side, but from more of Marvel to introduce characters. I think it's highly effective, does just enough. It's an hour long. You get to have a fun adventure, and then you step away, and they're introduced. You don't have to have a six episode like Moon Knight. I think this would have been perfect for Moon Knight, quite honestly, versus six episodes, because Moon Knight was so drawn out, and it was like, was that all needed? Probably not. It just people like walked away from Moon Knight like, hmm, I got too much of what I didn't want, what I didn't need. So, yeah, thank this you is for, the this is a cool thank approach. You. Thank you for giving me everything I just didn't care about. So yeah, no, it was it was it was good time. So I look forward to see uh, I, seeing kind of how this format moves forward. Yeah, I was surprised how like horrific it was. I mean, we right, had axes and heads. We had like uh, darts going up. Uh, lots of blood hitting the screen, which I thought was a cool yeah, effect. So I'm totally. like, I'm glad that they're not scared to like take some chances and say more stuff can be for adults. And if you right. your kids can watch it when they get older. Right, exactly. But yeah, be, be j- just like the mom who took her six-year-old to see Deadpool back in 2016, uh, use your friggin' head. <laughs> or the mom that's complaining say. about Hocus Pocus is going to make their kids Satanists. So there oh. you go. Everybody has a take on something. <laughs> every, every Everybody has a wrinkle of how stupid they are. So anyway, well, Todd, that takes us, uh, takes us out of the geekies. It's time to get out of here. I've got my phone up. I'm opening that Air Qantas app. That's right. It's time to book our flight down to the land down under. We're going to Australia. We're going to the Thunderdome. The mutants await for our input on Spooktember week two. So let's go. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. 
Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, we're in Shocktober week two and talking about the witch. Uh, the witch in 1630, New England, panic and despair envelops a farmer, his wife, and their children when youngest son Samuel suddenly vanishes. The family blames Thomason, the oldest daughter who is watching the boy at the time of his disappearance. With suspicion and paranoia mounting, twin siblings Mercy and Jonas suspect Thomason of witchcraft, testing the clan's faith, loyalty, and love to one another. This came out October 18th, 2015. I believe this was a... A24 film or a Blumhouse, one of those two. Director Robert Eggers, who directed uh, the Viking movie, uh, The Norseman. Uh, he's done some other weird things, too. He was also doing the screenplay on this. Uh, box office of $40 million on a budget of $4 million. So highly successful wow. uh, niche movie, you know, for, for that change of budget. Yeah. And uh, really, Anna Taylor-Joy, I believe this was one of her first movies. Yeah, uh, I would I, think so. Th yeah, the cast was Anya Taylor-Joy, playing Thomason, Ralph Innocent, the dad, Kate Dickey, the mother, Harvey Scrimshaw, Caleb, the older brother, Ellie Granger, Mercy, Lucas Dawson, Jonas, and Julian Richings, the governor, and a bunch of people played witches. And, right. Uh, yeah, and Black Phillip. <laughs> you know, I don't want to spoil it. Total butt double for Anya Taylor-Joy at the end. Did not match up because we knew we first saw her butt. How old was she? I well, mean, well, I don't think we want to see a butt of a young girl, Charlie. That's maybe sixteen or seventeen. So she is twenty six. So oh, okay. So this she would have been twenty years old. I said no, eighteen. Well, twenty two. This came out in twenty fifteen. So seventeen. Seven, yeah, seventeen. Not so, yet legal, but well, it was, yes. it, and it was a really bad body double because from the back you could just it didn't have her shape, but it well, was from a distance. But, 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 but let's I, but move I, on let's from the that. Yeah. Not put the yeah. cart okay. before the horse. Let's not because this movie's creepy enough. Let's not talk about younger, younger, younger age girls. So let's yeah, go younger butts. Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay. So this movie, uh, we leaned to watch this because I'd never seen it. I heard many things. I've seen some clips of this. Didn't know much about it. Uh, Charlie, one of the things I laughed about the fact is you are not good with like accents sometimes. So you're like, Oxtra, I couldn't tell what the hell they were saying. I'm like, I no, I have much problem. They're speaking I, a little bit old English, but I mean, it's 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 accents that are largely a mix of English and American. I think that it, here's the thing. Tell me I don't not go with accents. Love you just making shit up. April and I watch uh, Outlander and we love it, but we never do it without the without the captions on because they speak very thick Scottish brogue. This was a very thick, like you said, older English because it's set in the 1630s in New England. So it's all the off the boaters, including the kids speaking in a very stilted cadence, thick accent, using a lot of anachronistic language. Yes. A lot of it, these it, and those, but most of the things were those. just like, yes, exactly. I didn't hear many words that I didn't know or didn't seem like it was like okay i'm not familiar with that vernacular or something like that mm -hmm. it was very it was very plain language it was just there was a little of an accent so i don't plain, think it was like you mean very plain like the amish yeah yeah kind of remind me of yeah so i i don't know it, it is of the time so they they, they did at the end of the movie they did say we tried to use incorporate as much as we could at the time incorporating fables and things like that of mm -hmm. uh, america at the time uh when it was truly not a good place to live oh my god um Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's success 
and failure and starving to death was very thin line in this in this life. That is, yeah, that, that you're right. That is the measure of success. Uh, is yeah, yeah, being able to well, I can you know produce this for my livestock, or I can you know, or or well, I have to kill the goat and eat it. And as you see, that probably would have been a case, been a case for the poor father in this movie uh, who comes at the wrong end of that goat. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah, here's a family that lives uh, in the edge of a wood. Um, and the daughter is running around with her, the, her infant brother and playing the game of peekaboo and she closes her eyes and opens her eyes and the kid's gone and she hears a crackle in the distance. Not a good situation. That whole scene that followed all ensconced in shadow where you see a withering mm-hmm. witch, you know, essentially consuming the essence of this youngster in order to become young again. And coating itself with blood. Yeah, this is yeah. definitely, there's a lot of uh inferred but also shown but in the right. shadows so kind of a, a, a definitely a tone they set was this is a right. foreboding movie where right. people essentially this family are essentially outcasts from a society because they were so uber religious right. and um cast off and they essentially had nowhere to go and, and no one to depend on themselves we're talking about like the oldest daughter you know thomason was probably playing a 14 13 year old daughter and she essentially was going to be close to being married off so then you've got a young son who's maybe 12 who right. essentially relied upon to keep the household going and it, it was just like wow they they were not set up for success <laughs> to make this decision to move out just because they've got more fervent religious beliefs than the people in the community they came from so it's it's really and, and then just this really does believe in bring in the at the time um superstitions were a part of life at that point when the when things got dark you were scared of what was out there because you didn't have flashlights and and, and other lights to actually bring those things to to reality so wow um it really hit home that it's a scary thing to be in the woods where we may take it for granted today right big time yeah the woods yeah so charlie with with what we saw um uh, I don't know if there was flim flam in a lot of this or not, but there was a lot of uh, a misdirection, I think, in what was going on in regards to there. You know, when the, when the, the the child was was lost, then the we have these twins. That man, those kids, those two kids, Charlie. Didn't you just want to slap them across the face and just yeah, like the like the Three Stooges. They were very good at being horrible children. Right. <laughs> oh my God. She's trying to bewitch me. She's gone to witch me. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, I mean, blah, blah. And apparently they were talking to, you know, Black Phillip, this goat who, you know, and that's where I'm like, I don't truly know the, the, truly what was real and wasn't in this film. What were what, the kids what, truly? What just, happened with the goat? Why did the goat kill the dad? Why, why did the goat do that? Was he possessed? Was he just being a goat? Or this? Apparently, what we found out is when we we've had the the two siblings talking to Black Philip, um, which I thought, okay, that's great. And I remember, she remembered. I remember Thomason said something about uh, specifically about a goat or or a beast talking to children. So like, I think there's a play of like Satan conveying words through the goats and kind of causing a lot of the mischief. 
and that's what we kind of saw. So it was very odd. Does your PSA stay the hell away from goats? Because yeah, this this black goat is essentially you know headbutts the father to death, kills him, smashes him into a skewers him him. with one of his horns. Yeah, and the mother. I mean, as you could see, like the, the 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 loss of child affected the mother like you wouldn't believe and then when well, she, she lost yeah, she cra- two yeah. children right and- yeah because yeah the the 12 year old boy uh is wanders into the woods and, and is then as you said seduced by the witch who much like who was the witch in game of thrones who same thing consumed blood and then became oh melisandra yeah it was like melisandra just kissed the boy and then yeah that just suck the life right out of him and uh yeah so yeah then the mother cracks up and she's gonna murder thomason and thomason has to uh you know kill her mother in in self-defense to escape and that's just that's the end of the road for thomason then she's just like fuck it i'm going off into the woods and well i'm jo- I'm, jo- I'm joining the coven and the mother was touched obviously she had the you know, she saw her dead children. And then when you see that she's actually cradling a raven who's pecking her is the best way to put it, which was horrific. Right. And tearing at, tearing at her flesh. And oh my God. Uh, yeah. There was just a lot, you know, and then um, when the children and the kids were, were uh, basically trapped or, or boarded in the house or the, 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 the goat pen overnight by the dad. And, what happened after that? It was just a lot of like, we don't know. Was Thomason truly uh, bewitched? Was she led to be bewitched? Because um, a lot of things happened around her only when it was around her. So I'm like, so I, this movie is good about not really being, I mean, we feel like she was victimized and pushed too far, but things that happened around her, I don't know if it was truly outside of like she wasn't being influenced and that's how it happened. I don't know. That's where it's a good film does. They don't really tell you all of the things, but at the end it leads you to believe that, Oh, okay. There was something else going on. Yeah. Wild stuff. So yeah, this was, uh, I mean, you know, last year, obviously we talked about the wicker man and that was pretty out there, but this was like watching it more than a few moments in April were just, and I were just jaws on the floor. Just really wild, crazy stuff. And yeah, at the end of it, there's no real, in a way, it's not a happy ending because like, well, she's going to go off and join the coven and she's going to be a witch and witches eat children. And that's not such a great thing. But she also, <laughs> she also is going to go off and be provided for, which the life that she would face with a dead family, what, what would she do then? She was already an outcast. She would have probably just died of starvation anyway, right? I mean, it's entirely Probably, possible. Yeah. So I don't know if she could go back to where she was outcast from anyways. That was a part of the thing too, where they were going to like right. this family just felt like, Oh God, they're screwed. Cause they can't go in. They have nothing. They've lost everything. Their only other goat is, you know, milking blood. It's like, ah, it's crazy. Right, but yeah. it movie wasn't to me. It wasn't, it wasn't really, it was more of a thriller than it was a horror film because I never felt like, oh my God, there's a lot of jump scares. There wasn't a lot there that was like, oh my God, I have to stop watching. It was just the dread and the tone they felt that I think was really compelling. Um, Yeah, so I don't know, Charlie. Uh, Anything else to add? No, it was like I said, it was was a shocker. And at the end of it, you, you, you know, and every part of it was, it, it was horror and dismay. Nothing seemed to go right. And at the end of it, you don't really know is this is this the best possible outcome for Thomason? Could would it have been better if this didn't all happen? Because at the end of it, she was left completely alone. What ended up happening to the twins? Did they run off or did they die? As, we don't know. They just 
like yeah, I said, they were just gone. They were boarded up in the house at night. And when she woke up, she was essentially left for like she was passed out. The The house was destroyed or the, the, the goat house was destroyed and the kids were missing. So I don't know, but we did see someone in that goat house. Remember uh-huh. uh, with right. the next to the goat, like feeding on the goat, maybe. And yeah. like, and like she said, it was flying. So maybe she, that, that, that white witch uh, right. took the kids and flew away. I mean, essentially, those kids are gonna get ate one way or the other by the coven, and and yeah, I, I, of I, all the all the people that died, those children deserved it the most. Yeah, oh jeez, Todd was like, <laughs> "Man, am I rooting for those fucking kids to get killed?" Nothing worse than annoying <laughs> children, folks. Sorry, you know what? You know they what? Made April, their bed, and now they must lie in it. April and I had this conversation just today, walking. He says, "God, you know, it's really great not to have little kids around." <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> You get to a certain age where you just don't want to deal with it anymore. Well, I don't eventually know. do because grandchildren, Charlie. That's kind of the way it works. Yeah, but you know what? As my father was fond of saying when my oldest son was born, and when he starts to cry, we just pass him off. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Children, it's the worst. Ever, other people's children are the worst. <laughs> I, I I do not care for we other are, people's children. We are ta- yes. we are taking we are taking a lot of brave stances in this episode. Which eh, uh, you know what? If about you're pissed that. at us, just remember us, your kids. On Twitter. You only love your kids the most. Yes, exactly. Oh, geez. But yeah, Todd's really kicking some religion. All right. Well, wrapping this up, Todd, out of, uh, out of, you know, one out of 10 black Thomasons, black, <laughs> black Phillips, uh, what would you give this film? Uh, I would probably give this eight out of 10. Yeah. Black goats. I would, uh, I would concur um, seven and a half, eight, just because it uh, delivers upon its boldness and it gives you an ending that you're not sure you're happy about and you're not sure you're sad about, but you're sure glad that those kids are obviously dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You know what? If, 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 if that's my version of a happy ending, nothing is. <laughs> oh, my God. We're going to hell for this. You know, like I said, add us to Twitter because at least we'll know that you're listening. Oh, my goodness. Well, with that, we have... Uh, drawn to the end of this program todd where do people find you out on the intrawebs ah you can follow me at t we're having a good time talking about fantasy football and how bad it is um and, but other than that just having a good time reaching out to people you know getting goofy having a good time and above all please check out uh, secret finish you and check out all of our wonderful things there because that's where all the goodness happens you got do a little dance Make a little love. Join the Witch Coven tonight. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at the C3. Spell it out. You can find me on socials uh, all over pretty much at that handle. My lovely wife and April and I also run the USS Grand Petoskey. We're the uh, premier chapter of the uh, Starfleet International Star Trek Fan Club. Uh, you can find us at a website of that name and also socials kind of across the board at that uh, name. You can also uh, catch most of your content on our Secret Friends Unite Facebook page provided by me where we try to bring you the hottest scoops without the shot of poop, if at all possible. Um, so with that, friends, one more time, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Don't be bad. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. 
or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com.